Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week we're in West Salem, Wisconsin with Cassie Everson of Wanderlust Schools. Cassie's sharing about her journey from agronomist to stay-at-home mom to entrepreneur, which came together when a skull she decorated for herself started getting a lot of attention on Facebook, and the idea to make more just would not leave her alone. She talks about how she's reached an audience that's primarily outside of where she lives, the process of valuing her craft and how that relates to pricing, and so much more. So here we go with Cassie Everson. All right, well, we're in West Salem, Wisconsin with Cassie Everson of Wanderlust Skulls. Cassie, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> me too. Well, tell us a little bit about you and how you grew up. Are you a Wisconsin native? Oh my God, yeah. Um, so I don't live very far from my home farm. So I grew up in Bangor. I live in West Salem. It's like 20 minute drive to the east. Um, and I grew up on a dairy farm. And then after my parents had sold the cows, my dad started a construction business. But I was always running around a farm because my grandpa was a dairy farmer for a really long time. So I have a connection to bovine. I didn't know how deeply it would run through my entire life. Obviously, aka I'm working with the dead ones now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I worked on dairy farms through high school, through college. It's kind of honestly one of the reasons I got myself through college debt-free. And um, after that, I went to college for agricultural business. And I started out as an agronomist, found out I was going to have a baby really soon after I had started my career. And then I decided after knowing how much agronomists put in for hours, you know, any time of the year, truly, but spring, summer, and fall. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to be a mom like I want to be and also have a career like this and be good at both at the same time because if anybody knows anything about agronomy, you're doing like 80 to 100 hours a week for jobs like that. So I quit, and I ended up doing retail for a really long time. So I don't know, I've always been tied to the agricultural industry, um, my entire life. It's just that now I'm not really dabbling in it besides the small family farming aspect, but that's it. But that's great. Yeah. It works for you. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> so what brought about the idea for Wanderlust goals? Well, um, I got to think. So I've been doing this for three years. So like five years ago, I went to a thrift store and I saw a steer skull sitting on the shelf and it was 20 bucks. It was so cheap. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted like a skull in the house. I've always been super interested in Western and cowboy lifestyle. Like totally was raised on John Wayne, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, probably watched way too much Bonanza as a child, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. So I also married a cowboy, like a Wisconsin cowboy. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get this skull and I'm going to do something with it. Well, then I went on Google and Pinterest and I'm just like, everything I was seeing, you know, everybody's got their own style, but I'm like, I don't like any of this. None of it is like shouting at me saying, you know, this is what you should do with it. This is, you know, a good design idea. You know, this would make sense in your home, all this stuff. So I like decided to just try to do something on my own. And I thought up my own design and I did something with it. And then I had it hanging in our home and every person that came over was like that is so cool where'd you get it I'm like oh well I made it 
actually, I decorated it myself. And they're like, oh my God, you should do that. I want one. And I'm like, I don't even know where I'd get another skull right now. Like, if you know anything about the Midwest, we dehorn all the dang animals around here. Like, it's not, yeah, <laughs> it's not a common thing to see much with a horn on it. Right. Like, you're going to see it once in a while, but it's not, you're not going to drive like 20 miles and see five different places that have horned animals. So I was like, I don't even know where I'd get one, um, but thanks. But I just kept thinking like literally every day, not kidding, for two years. I'm like, this would be the most amazing idea. This would be so fun. Like I'm sitting here thinking of all these things that I could do with them if I had them. Meanwhile, I just stayed at my retail job for way too long. And I finally one day just started doing it. And I bought three from one guy. I got them decorated. Um, it took me two days to do three of them. That's like literally all me and my kids did. We like, I was just outside. It was summer. And I'm like, go play. <laughs> and I just, I just did it. And I put them on Facebook and I had no clue how to price them. Like, I, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I maybe made $10 on them. And I probably didn't even then, you know, after buying all the paint and everything that I used, I probably didn't make anything on them. And I'm like, whoa, I sold them all within like 24 hours. Wow. Off Facebook, locally. And again, they were stupid cheap, like just way too cheap. But um, I'm like, I can do this again, but now I need to find more. So I just got savvy. And the next thing I found was a guy with buffalo skulls. And I still work with him and he's awesome. And I love him and his wife and we've become really good friends. Um, but in terms of like the longhorns and the steer skulls, I have a friend that started a butcher shop. And he's like, hey, I go and I do on the farm butcher with this guy. And he's like, I can't believe it took me this long to think about this. But he's like, he's got longhorn Corianni crosses. I was like, oh my God, where is he? He's like a half an hour from here. So he had 30 skulls that had literally been sitting in his barn for God, who, who even knows how long, like they were so dusty and dirty. They were cleaned off. You know, there was yeah. no meat left on them, nothing. But I ended up buying them all like in small increments. And then the last time I went, he told me, he's like, well, I'm really sorry, kid, but I'm retiring. I'm selling my whole herd. Um, you know, my wife's retiring and we just really want to travel and do stuff. And like, I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh, where in the world in Wisconsin or Minnesota or anywhere am I going to keep getting stuff like this? So I just had to get really savvy and smart and head to Craigslist and, you know, just really not be scared to try and fulfill that, you know, and I just kept going from there. <laughs> so was it all on Facebook in the beginning? Um, I would post stuff to Facebook, my personal page, and then I'm like, I mean, I've always liked Instagram. I think I've had an Instagram. Oh my God, my son's nine. I think I've had one since he's been two because Instagram's been around for a long time, but I decided I was going to make like just an Instagram page. And then I was like, well, I need a name. What am I going to do? And I came up, I don't know why I'm really creative, but I came up with the corniest stuff. I was like, this is not going to work. That name is terrible. Like, no, do something else, Cassie. That's not going to work. And then one day I was taking a walk and I was listening to a podcast and um, I got done with the walk and I was like, wanderlust. Because I'm obsessed with traveling. I love to travel. And the idea behind wanderlust is just being a carefree spirit and always being lost 
you know, and ex- having new experiences and stuff like that. I'm like, Wanderlust Skulls. That sounds great. And then I told some friends, and they all told me it was stupid. And I was <laughs> like, well, I don't care what you think. It's I'm sticking with it. Yeah. And so I made an Instagram, and that's where I started. And so far, Instagram has been what's been the most, like, easy thing to do, like, business with. Um, I have a decent-sized Facebook, but I think Instagram is just easier to engage with people. Like, the aesthetic value of pictures Mm -hmm. and branding on there is so much better than you can do with Facebook. And so I – it's more Instagram than anything. And then I did get a website this year. So that's helped. But that's how I've marketed it so far. Wow. So being in Wisconsin – that's maybe not filled with your target market. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so how did you go about finding your target market? Because this is a high-end product, mm-hmm. a Western-ish product, if you will. Mm-hmm. And how did you start reaching those people and finding them? So I think hashtags are still helpful, but in the beginning they were more helpful And I just went on and I started searching under hashtags for other accounts, other people, um, you know, even like the Western fashion influencers or these Western home businesses and just reaching out. And that's the one thing too, like when you're starting a business, reach out with value. Don't reach out with a want, a need or an ask immediately. You need to build those relationships. And I naturally was really good at that in the beginning. You know, I would reach out to people, talk with them, uh, create that relationship over time. And because I had to, because there's there's nothing around here that really makes sense for what I have or what I have to offer. So I was very particular, too, about, like, the people I was talking to, stuff like that. And so from that, more people just kept finding me and finding me and finding me. And it was it just built over time. Um, my, a couple of my biggest states are California and Texas, and it's more of a grain belt thing for me and a Western side of the United States. That's more where my customer base is than here in Western Wisconsin. (laughs) So how do you make that work? You know, not being right next door to Mm -hmm. most of your clients. Mm -hmm. Um, I love showing people you know, especially if I'm working on the daily, like what it looks like to live life around here, but also how I'm working, you know, um, I clean most all of my longhorns. I get them from farmers, from butcher. And oddly enough, that has been one of the most satisfying things for my, for my base of people that follow me. They're like, when are you cleaning again? I was like, you really like it that much? I mean, it's just showing them what all goes into it, yeah. you know, and keeping people engaged. You know, if you're not engaging them all the time, um, people lose interest. And just staying consistent. Consistency has been huge. And just continually reaching out to people that, you know, make sense and being picky with who you're partnering with, you know, things like that. I mean, general business, if you're wanting to run a bigger business, I think a lot of that still pertains to small business as well. You know, you're building a brand and that's really important is building brands. And it's, there probably aren't many people out there 
videoing while they're cleaning a skull. So no. that's kind of a niche <laughs> thing. It's it is like I know I have found a lot of other ladies that do this uh, completely different styles. Of course, totally fine. But there's only a handful of them that actually clean. And when I say handful, like it's a small handful. And not only that, they don't really show people the process. Like I straight up show people everything. And I, I had flesh eating bugs this summer. Oh no. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had people like messaging me. They're like, are you going to show us the bug pit again? And like, how good they're doing on the heads. I was like, yeah, we'll go up there today. Just wow. stay tuned and stay with me. <laughs> Who knew? We'll go check it out. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So at this point, you have actually built your business to a point where you have customers beyond the United States. Yeah, that's crazy. What has that been like? Just And talk about some of your clients and maybe mm -hmm. some of the most unexpected things that have come your way. Well, I would say like unexpected with international sales is, I mean, these are, this is a big product. Um, size wise. It's a big, it's yeah. a big size. The boxes that are needed are huge. So when you start looking at shipping, it's not, the most affordable, um, especially if you're going to start flying overseas or going across the border somewhere, because I have a, a lot of Canadian customers as well. But what has really just blown my mind is that these people overseas, what they're willing to pay for shipping because they want it that bad. I'm like, you know, they'll contact me and they're like, I really like this one. What's the price? Can you help me, you know, decipher what it is? Australia is actually my number two country wow. besides the United States. And that makes sense when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, really. Yeah. So the most expensive one I ever sent over there, the woman was like, this is the one I like. I really love it. You know, what would it be in AUD? So I told her, and then I, you know, told her everything I needed to get a shipping quote because there's been plenty of instances where people have been like, after they know how much the shipping is going to be, they don't want to go with it. Understandable, especially yeah. sometimes when it's more, than the product itself. Yeah. When then it's more than the skull itself, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I understand. But I messaged this girl and I had already put like a preconceived notion in my head that she was going to say no when I told her how much it was going to be. And I'm like, I understand if you don't want to go with this, you know, it's totally fine. But the shipping is going to be $1,442. And she's like, I don't care. I'm like, you, you what? <laughs> what did you say? She's like, I don't care. I want it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that was just, that was crazy to me. That was one of those breakthrough moments. I'm like, and it goes down to anything. It doesn't matter what you're selling or what you're offering people. People will spend money on what they truly want to spend on. People find value in what they want to find value in. And those are the people you're always looking for, you know? So I would say with like, especially with international sales, that's been it's been fun and it's been challenging too because you have to understand like importing and exporting laws as well. Um, especially since I'm working with something that was once alive. Yeah. There's a lot of little extra things that has to go into shipping them. So I've had to learn a lot about that as well, but just never being afraid to actually go the extra mile. It, it, it that's what it boils down to. Yeah. You know, that's good. What have you learned about the value of your craft and how that relates to pricing? Oh, so when I first began, like I said earlier, I had no clue because 
nothing like this had ever been around me. And I had, I, like, I'd traveled enough and I'd seen them in Western states. Uh, you know, you see them in movies and things like that. I had no clue. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know. So I ended up going online after a while. I'm like, well, what are other people kind of selling this stuff for, you know? And then I was like, all right, you really need to figure out, like, what a retail formula is and then, you know, what all your inputs is, how much are you charging per hour, you know, when you're working with something like this. So for the first year and a half, I honestly really did undervalue myself quite a bit. And I had a lot of people approach me and tell me, they're like, you are so cheap, which is, a, and they didn't mean it in a bad way, because uh -huh. I think cheap can be a really, it's almost like a slang term that shouldn't be used when you're looking at something of great value. And I was like, you're right, I am cheap. So I had to go back and look at like my total costs and I took myself from wholesale because that's honestly what I was selling stuff at. And I created it into more of a retail thing. And then I started learning more about Longhorns. That was like huge for me because working with multiple different people, you're also working at looking at different price points. You know, everybody wants something a little bit different when I'm going to buy. So you just really have to understand the value of your own talent, your own craft. And you have to understand that you truly are talented and that you're offering the world something completely different than anybody else's. Like there's no one else that can do exactly what you're doing, especially when it's in the art space. So you have to understand your value in that. It's been a different learning curve because like I never took art classes in high school. Like I was like, screw that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a it's been a good learning curve and a quick one in three years that I'm just excited to see what the future brings. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. So even if you weren't into art classes in high yeah. school, <laughs> would you say that you've always been a creative? Oh, yeah. Very. I've always been really artsy. But um, I think a lot of people that are truly artistic will also tell you that sometimes when you're a kid, you hear those stories that they get ingrained in your brain. Like, Artists are starving on the street. No one that creates art makes any money doing it. It's a very good hobby to have. Those are so, so common. Like those phrases, especially when you're young and you have those abilities and you hear people around you saying that, like it gets ingrained in your brain. And I also used to think that artistry meant you were either using pencils or paint on a piece of paper and canvas. I had this box that I had put like art in and I thought that was the only way that you could create art. And then once I let go of that, it's where I was able to find myself doing this. But like I said, like I was always very good at art. I was the one that everybody wanted to, me to do all the dang drawings for like homecoming <laughs> and you know, all the stuff. But I, I probably didn't help. I didn't like my art teacher in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, even in college, like when we would do fundraisers and, and stuff, like I would do all the drawings for the egg, you know, classes and stuff like that. And it's always been with me. I was just never ready to own it. Yeah. I would say. Do you find yourself having to almost focus your mind to tune out those people saying like, it's mm -hmm. just, it can only just be still, a hobby. Yeah. Still, um, even locally. Cause you know, 
I have a high-end product. And locally people are like, oh, it's so cute because I am full-time work-at-home, stay-at-home mom, and people think it's a hobby. And I have to keep reminding myself that that's all right if they think that way, but I know better. Yeah. It's not a hobby. You're right. (laughs) It's a full-time job. And people just don't have the mind space to accept that. Mm -hmm. So I think especially if somebody is listening and they're an artist, you just have to know that just because that's their opinion, it does not have to be yours. It doesn't have to become yours and you don't have to accept that as well. Yeah. It's important. Absolutely. So where do you draw your inspiration from? I am a classic Western junkie. Like, my kids still watch a whole bunch of it. It's pretty funny. Like, they don't watch the modern-day stuff that's on TV. They're like, can we watch McClintock? Yes. (laughs) Heck, yes, you can. (laughs) So that, and I have learned about myself in the three years I've been doing this. I love texture, um, and I think people can see that in my pieces. Um, I love elements of change between stuff, and... While I love doing some of the little more hand-painted Western pieces, I love creating, I don't know if messy is the right term, but stuff that's just completely different, that has that texture within it, that has multiple different elements. Maybe it has metallic with flat. Uh, One of my biggest things is my patina finishes. I've really mastered the patina. Um... I've been able to make it my own, the, the way that I apply it and the way it turns out and looks. And I do love looking on Pinterest or even going into like home stores mm-hmm. and looking at complete setups and just being like, okay, if I was to set a skull in this space, how could I draw this space together with a buffalo skull or a longhorn skull? And Western fashion, too, inspires me, but, like, I love outlaw, like, old country music, like, Waylon Jennings, and if I could pick an era to dress like all the time, I would probably look like I'm from the 70s, so I draw inspiration from that, but I really put a modern twist on everything, like, it's not, somebody can't just be like, that is a cowboy-style longhorn, or that's a cowboy-style buffalo, it's got a modern Western feel to it. Like they all do in some sort of way. So it's completely different than what people have seen before. Um, but sticking with that and also just letting people know that like this is my element. These are what I do. Like there's no drifting away from that. Like people need to know that when they're coming to you and asking you for a product. So yeah, that's where I get my inspiration from. I love it. <laughs> What have been some of your greatest learning experiences through this journey? Um, Well, like we talked about before, valuing yourself, uh, getting out of the mindset of the whole hobby, um, and just never quitting. Like, one of my favorite people to listen to is Ed Milet, and one day I listened to one of his videos, and I just realized, I'm like, that's probably one of my greatest assets. I mean, the whole journey hasn't been easy and it's never going to be for anybody that's in a small business or in an artistic space, but never quitting is literally going to change your life if you stick with it. And I mean, there's been so many days where I've wanted to like even chuck them into the wall, (laughs) but I don't. Right. right. And it's funny then like the next day, it's like, whoa, I just sold a massive piece to somebody in Oklahoma 
or somebody in Utah just bought it and they never even asked me for the price first. They just went online and they just bought it. You know, the never quit attitude I think is going to get you a lot farther than talent or anything else. Mm -hmm. You just don't know what the next day is going to bring and you you have to trust that tomorrow or even down the future is going to be even better than what today is. That's great advice. So on the flip side, what have been some of your greatest rewards? The greatest rewards? Um, (laughs) Well, I could talk about my big, huge win in July. I woke up, well, it was like 5 o'clock in the morning and my phone was buzzing. And my husband hit me in like the hip. He's like, your phone's ringing. And I'm like, it's fine. It's probably just somebody on Instagram messaging me. I don't care right now. And so I usually get up fairly early, but I didn't that that morning for some reason. So at 6.30, I finally got out of bed. And I like grabbed my phone to try and tiptoe downstairs and not wake the kids up. And I looked at my phone. And I had sold a buffalo skull. I thought, just a buffalo skull. I was like, cool. So I open up my app for my website. And I was like, this does not seem right. Like, it told me that my sales for the day were over $7,000. I was like, this person only bought a buffalo skull. What is going on? She had also bought a longhorn from me like a month ago. Like, I had noticed the, the name on there. So I went to my order section and I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, there's our order from before. Didn't even like look at the numbers. There's two orders on there for the same person. So I went back and I'm looking and I'm like, why is my daily sales at this? Like, obviously I had just woken up. I don't even know why I was like playing with my phone. Well, then I went back to orders again and I looked. I'm like, oh my God. One woman bought five skulls from me in one day. Mind you, she had just bought one like a month before. And spent $7,000 in wow. one day on my website. And when that happened, I was like, you are supposed to be doing this. You know, you all you have those moments where you're like, I don't really know if I'm supposed to be doing this anymore. But like, if one person is willing to spend that much money with you, you know you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just, and meeting people. Meeting people has been so rewarding. And I love hearing other people's stories too, you know, people that are creatives or in the Western industry, all that stuff. It's been rewarding to make new friends and new connections and it's just so fun. I love it. (laughs) You recently donated one of your skulls to Cowgirls with Cancer, which is this new cause started by Brianna Bigby, who we all know as the Bleacher Babe. Mm -hmm. And tell us about your heart behind that and why you're like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Well... That started with Instagram, of course. Yes. I I was watching Brianna's story one day, and she just became a mom herself last year, and she's really, you know, shown her journey through that, and she is an incredible mom, but something was so different about her story that day. Like, she was crying, and she told the story of these two women, who are both moms, who have cancer. And I'm a mom too. So I started listening to this and I'm like, I can't sit back and let like a fundraiser like this go by without me doing something to help. And I messaged her like right away. I don't even think she had had her story up for maybe five or 10 minutes. It was, it was just one of those things. And I'm like, 
I've talked to her before. I've never got to meet her in person, but I was like, I want to donate a skull. And I actually have a specific skull that I want to give you. And um, I want to send you pictures. Do you want me to send it to you right now? Like, I am ready. And I ended up being like the first person to message her. I just, for me, like hearing these women's stories and being a mom, like, sure, there's, there's times where you think about it. It's like, what if this happened to me? You know, how are they feeling? What are they going through? All of that stuff. And my husband and I just had a really good friend that had Hodgkin's lymphoma stage two this year, and he beat it. And that was a very close connection. And I watched that and I was like, I seen how it affected their families. And even though I don't know these two women, like I can't imagine on the daily basis, like how they're feeling, you know, chemo makes you so sick. And just being a mom with young kids, like monetarily, financially, all that stuff, how hard that can be. So I just knew I couldn't not help. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. And if I can't donate money, I can donate talent. Yes. So that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're talking about is mm-hmm. there's this raffle going on and people can buy tickets and then they're entered to win mm-hmm. one of your skulls among with some other products, right? Some amazing other yes. things up for grabs. Yes. It's awesome. And raffle tickets aren't that much. Like you're getting you're getting your bang for your buck with that raffle ticket. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So yeah, everybody go check that out. The proceeds benefit our friend Brooke Clay Taylor of Rural Gone Urban and Kadra Freelick of Freelick Ranch. So we'll post more details in the show notes and also on our blog where yeah. people can go and be a part of that and see your skull and the other products that are part of the raffle. Yeah. So. Check out the pictures because she's got all that stuff up and See all the other amazing prizes you can win because it's it's a really cool lineup. Really cool. Yeah, and a great cause. For sure. So being a mom yourself, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how you balance work with family life. Well, I have learned that sometimes including them is going to end up being your best option. Uh, like I said, I clean my skulls. So that's an outside process. So yeah. that's kind of fun. Um my kids say it's gross, but they're still involved. I think they've heard other people tell them how gross it is. Um, but like when it's cleaning, you know, I'll let them jump on their ponies and they ride around or, you know, they're just near me helping me carry firewood and things like that. Um, I let them help me carry skulls to different places when I need to do like primer with all my, all my skulls, I primer them before I paint because it just seals the bone really nice. And I let them help be a part of that. And, um, I've let them help me with some of my giveaways. Like I've just learned that including them helps a lot. And just that they understand that mommy is really going for her dreams. And I think it's such a good example to them that they can't, they shouldn't let anything stop them in life. Um, I'm still some days trying to find the work-life balance at home. Because, you know, the floors could always be mopped. Yeah. There's always five loads of laundry to do. Um, because I am a one-woman show right now. And um, that can be hard. Yes. <laughs> that can be really hard. But uh, some days the dishes just need to wait. As long as there's food on the table, I guess, and my kids are fed, we are good. <laughs> yes. Success. What do you love most about rural life and living in West Salem? Oh, I can send my kids in the woods and not worry. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, but seriously, uh, I've always lived in the country. Like, 
always. I don't even know if I could ever truly live in town. I don't think that would work. But just the freedom behind it and um, the safety that you feel. Like, I know if my kids go out to play, they'll be fine, you know? And there's just something quiet about country life. And I feel like there's a lot of places, especially in the urban areas, like, kids are losing that. And it's really sad, like, that that external outside play that's really good for them. And West Salem's a beautiful community. Like, it's a quiet, clean little town. It's not that big. People know who you are. The local quick trip is always open, and you probably run into five people you know when you (laughs) go in there, you know. I just, I love it. Like, my husband and I both agree. We could never live in town, and... We just love the freedom of rural life. Yeah. It's, that's the best part. So what would you say to someone who has an idea mm-hmm. they can't shake like you did and mm-hmm. they're on the edge? They're like, do I pursue this? Do I take that risk? Mm-hmm. Well, you can either let it eat you alive yeah. like I did or you can take the risk and fail forward Yeah, and figure it out because you will. You'll figure it out along the way. And if you've been given that idea, that's a God-given idea and a God-given talent. And why would you dishonor somebody like that by not using it? Like I tell that to myself all the time, like this is a God-given talent. So if you have one of those ideas that's burning in you, there's a reason you have it. And it's not very fun to let it just eat at you every day. You just got to do it. You have to go for it. Any other last words of wisdom? To not be afraid to do what you're going to do and be patient. Um, Patience and never giving up is so important to your journey, especially if you're going to do something within the art industry. Um, The right people will always find you. The right people will always find value. And if you're having some of the wrong people find you, it's fine. They're not your people. Let them go. There's always people out there that want what you make and need what you make. So just go with it. That's great advice. Well, what's next for Wanderlust Skulls? Um, I'm kind of looking forward to building my stock again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a lot of buffalo skulls right now, but I'm needing to find more longhorns. I'm really wanting to find some amazing high-end retail spaces to partner with. Uh, Not corporate, obviously, but like small business family owned amazing art galleries or home furnishing places. I would love to have some in there. And I'm just excited to see where it goes in 2020 because I've done close to 300 skulls already in three years. That's a pretty big number. Um, And I'm looking forward to doing some fun shows next year too. So that's what's, that's what's going forward looks like. I love it. Well, how do we follow along oh, and keep up sure. with your journey? Sure. So Instagram, it's at Wanderlust Skulls and then Wanderlust Skulls on Facebook. And then also my website is just wanderlustskulls.com. So you can check stuff out there, see previous things I've done, read more at my story. Yeah. Perfect. Any of those three places. And can people, like if they want a custom design? Oh, yeah. I do customs quite often. And that's one thing that I ask is that you look through what I've done and then we create something based on that. Like if you send me a picture from Pinterest, that's somebody else's. We're, we're probably not going to drive. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, 
I do customs all the time and I always have buffalo skulls for sure. Um, and quite often have longhorns, but yeah, you can contact me on Instagram about that or even through my website. So perfect. All right. Well, we will link to all that in the show notes. Cassie, thank you so much yes. for being on the podcast. Thank you. That was fun. Yes. Well, I love how Cassie has built her business and her transparency about what she's learned along the way. And how about her generosity in donating a gorgeous pink buffalo skull to Cowgirls with Cancer? As we mentioned, tickets are currently being raffled off for $25 each, with the proceeds going directly to Brooke Clay Taylor of Roll Gone Urban and Kadra Freelick of Freelick Ranch. The winner of the raffle will receive over $1,500 of amazing Western products from Wanderlust Skulls, Kippy Lou's Leather, The Sparkling Spur, Savannah Sevens, and Macy Bean Boots. Head to our blog post for episode 75 at ruralrevival.co for all the details and go support these cowgirls with cancer. Huge thanks to Cassie for being on the podcast and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.